Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited that you decided to join us. You will absolutely love and you're in for a treat for today's guest. Uh, we are on a mission to positively impact the world through sports and culture. We're a multimedia network, we're a YouTube channel, uh, a podcast, and we also have live shows. Uh, if you haven't followed us on YouTube, you can find us at uh, All Access Network. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, you can find us at All Access underscore net, uh, where we also do some of our live shows uh, along with Facebook at All Access Network. But so excited to have you with us today. Uh, we love for people to be able to write their story, uh, leave their mark, and create their legacy. We're on a mission. We appreciate you joining us. And again, please share, like, and subscribe uh, whenever you get a chance. And stay on this journey with us. It's going to be an awesome ride. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. Feel like it's only right to come in with the hoodie on with that music. You know what I mean? We gotta come in with the hoodie. Oh man! Uh, college hoops, coast to coast, special edition today, man. We're back at it again. Regularly scheduled program, season two. My man Sweeney, uh, we're about to do it again. What up, Sweeney? Man, we've we've both been running around the world so much. We just haven't had a lot of time to pop on, talk about some college basketball, talk to some great people in college basketball. So yes. uh, excited that we're both finally. Uh, in like a settled place at the same time to do a show. So yes, yeah, lots of new transitions. We got Sweeney's new with Sports Illustrated. We got all these different uh, all access uprise, rising coaches, whatever stuff going on, on my end. So yeah, we're finally settled in and ready to rock and roll. We got a special guest today, one of the up and coming risers in college basketball media and writing, uh, Mr. Sean Paul himself. So I'll let Kevin talk a little bit about Sean, then we'll bring him in. Yeah, I mean, I got to know Sean probably, probably during the pandemic. Honestly, like yeah. I, I can't, I don't remember. He was definitely you know, kind of the later wave. I, I think of a few guys that I kind of came up with in, yeah. in this on, on the internet, like Eli Becker, who obviously, if you if you follow this this network, you know Eli and yep. you know, Jim Root from Three Man Weave is another guy, and we got to hang on Vegas, and it was a great time. But like Sean was a, a late stock riser, if you will. He was yeah, the guy who absolutely. kind of came in in senior year of high school. He's a young young bull and. It's just kind of taken over. He's done an incredible job. And so, you know, to think about him then when he was, you know, what, he had 200 followers, 500 followers on Twitter. And I looked up like a month ago and he's like on Field of 68 with Jeff Goodman and Randolph Childress. And I'm like, that's the craziest rise ever. So we got to bring him on, talk a little bit about that, talk about basketball because we, we think that I know all the teams. Sean Paul knows all the teams, man. He knows all the teams, all the players, all the coaches. He's, He's everywhere. So excited to get him on. Excited to, to pick his brain a little bit. So, yeah. yeah, excited to have him on. I think uh, my first introduction with Sean Paul was through the pandemic as well. Uh, Brandon Goble became like his biggest fan. And I felt like yes. because Sean was talking about Chris Duarte a lot, he became like uh, – Sean Paul became like the Chris Duarte – version of Brandon Goble where he could just like talk about Chris Duarte without him doing it first person. It was like third person almost or like not third person, but you get what I'm saying. It was another person saying it. It was like he could just retweet it and quote retweet it. And so that's how it started. And then uh, he was a huge supporter of us last year and all the stuff we were doing. Uh, so wanted to have him on last year. Last year was a pretty crazy run. We didn't even know what we were doing. A little bit. So I started okay. having guests on. It's like, oh yeah, I should have had Sean on. But I say that now we're starting the year off. First official guest, Sean Paul, rising in the game. We will bring him in the studio. And he's got his beanie on. So I have my hood on. He's got his beanie on. It's ready to go. Sean, what up, man? Welcome. 
Not much. Thanks for having me, guys. You know, I uh, took a nap like an hour and a half ago, so that is why I'm wearing a beanie because my hair is not looking so great right now. So, you know. So I think I'm just surprised that you sleep. Like, I, I'll look up at all hours well, of the day. And I nap. Like, you didn't say he slept. He used to take a nap. No, nah, I did sleep. Yeah, you got you got to sleep. You know, college basketball is a little exhausting at times. So when you can find the in between periods, you got to you got to take a nap. So are you are you asleep in May? We have to at least make that John Rothstein. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> I'm a sleep every night kind of guy. You know, you got to you got to refuel. Got to. So so Sean, let me ask you this. I want to. I, I I've shared a bunch of times. Maybe not on all access, but like everywhere. It's kind of known that like I fell in love with college basketball because. Like Sienna basketball under Fran McCaffrey was unbelievable, and it was right in my backyard. And I didn't like understand why they were so good. It was just, it was just an unbelievable team to follow, and it, it made me care about not just call it, like not just you know top twenty five teams, but I cared because I wanted to see who the next Sienna was going to be, the next you know Belmont, who the next you know, Murray State, all these teams that I got to watch growing up. Was there a team or a moment that kind of got you uh, got you super invested in this uh, this college basketball world? That's a good question. I would say. You know, like growing up, I'd always watch the tournament, of course, like 07, 08, 09, kind of when I start. like I was young, but I was starting to get into sports and all that because my dad was a big sports fan. So like the Steph Curry, Jimmer Fredette, Tyler Hansbro days, those are kind of what I think about, you know, uh, Jimmer Fredette and Steph Curry in the tournament. Steph definitely went off in the tournament a couple times there. So that was one of them where I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And then I stayed tuned to the tournament and then like around probably like 2013, 2014, I started to actually get into it a little more. But uh, up, up until there, I was pretty much just, you know, watch an occasional game on ESPN and then watch the tournament. But uh, now, obviously, I'm in, into it more than just that. How did you get into it more than just that? Like, where did that come from? Like, all of a sudden, and I think it was even, like, you were probably shocked yourself at your own rise. Like, the Twitter following was growing. Again, I refer, shout out to Brandon Goble, Mr. Juco Advocate himself. He's like, you guys got to follow my guy. He's almost to a whatever thousand let's get them over to hump i think now you're almost at seven thousand and started at literally started at zero like everyone but it happened fast so talk a little bit about uh how you got into actual doing college basketball stuff yeah so jonathan warner who i do uh the making the madness podcast with i knew him a little bit before i started doing this and with covid stuff going on i'm like you know what i'm like uh i could probably help out the site write some stuff on making the madness.com occasionally so you know maybe i'll uh help out a bit. I'll make a Twitter and see what happens. I didn't really expect it to turn into what it turned into. It was like, I, I kind of say it happened by accident, like not really, but like I didn't expect it to turn into what it turned into. Like I didn't expect to have 7,000 followers almost. Like I made my account in like May of 2020. So like not even two years. Like I didn't really expect it to turn into what it turned into so fast. And, you know, definitely have a lot of people to thank for that. You mentioned Brandon Goble been one of the biggest supporters i could ask for helped me a lot jeff goodman rob doster for helping me out and allowing me to be on the field of 68 uh kevin sweeney he's helped me out a lot had some kind words for me that was uh that was, that was pretty cool he's been a good help for sure so there and you brian of course help out too there's a lot of people that i'd have to thank for this it's not all just me but uh you know there's a lot of cool people in the college basketball world that's for sure yeah, what's your what's your favorite part? I'll take one more and I'll let Kevin have it. What's your favorite part about being in this space? And what would you tell the people that you do? I know you just started a new thing that's kind of pinned to the top of your page. Sean mm -hmm. Paul CBB, I believe, is the is the uh mm -hmm. handle. Yeah. Um so you're writing some articles, kind of got a subscription side of things. What what all is it that you do so people can understand, Sean? Yeah, so that's on Patreon. I just started that up uh, just as a side thing, right on Making the Madness, right on Mountain West Wire, do a podcast, Field of 68 Weekly, uh, mid-major show. Uh, hold on, my TV's playing in the background. I got to mute that. <laughs> Can't stop watching the TV. Got to love yeah. it. Unbelievable. But Even in the middle of it all, he's still watching. Nah, FS1 wasn't working earlier, and now it's working. So I had to mute my TV. High quality uh, podcast. High quality huh? podcast. Yeah, my bad. Uh, but yeah, just stuff like that. And, you know, one of my favorite parts about it all, though, is like, even though a lot of people disagree, like uh, fans of teams disagree with what I have to say, seeing right. them be like, well, why do you think this is the case? I'm like, well, I mean, I'm, it's pretty cool that you're asking me, but like, you're probably not going to like what I say, but 
know, <laughs> it's cool that you value my opinion a little bit. All right. So obviously everyone remembers the Oral Roberts moment where you called like right on selection or right, not even like before it was, right it was. before selection. Yeah. Time. It was, it was like right when they won the conference tournament. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Oral Roberts is going to play Ohio state and they're going to win the game. Right. Like that was, that was absurd and like helped your eyes. Like it was kind of like that though. Like, more into it like i said specifically ohio state not because i thought they're gonna match right. up with them because i thought that's the only team they could beat right right yeah. but that that moment was crazy and like a huge spark plug for you obviously but is there a moment before then or it could be after then as well where you were like you like like holy shit like we're, we're kind of doing something here like i remember I, I like my moment with this was sorry it was 2017 or 28 i think it was 2018 uh, BB, my remember this dude, Jordan Brangers, yeah, uh, the Juco kid. Yep. So I like South Plains or no, or Odessa, the South Plains, South Plains, South Plains. Yeah. And I, I think he was it. He he was gonna go to Colorado State. He was like the number one Juco kid in the country. Yep. He yep. go to Colorado State, and he left with the school. Larry with the Larry Stacy staff. Yeah, and he left school, and I was the first one to break that. That was the case, and. Like afterwards, like an hour later, Jeff Goodman tweeted it, and everyone like tweeted like, "Oh yeah, you know, Sweeney was first, Sweeney was first, And Goodman like followed me and like DM me was like, "Oh my, my bad man, like you're doing a great job," and and followed me on Twitter, and I was like, "All right, I've made it, like I can retire, like we've done it with college basketball." <laughs> is there a moment in mind where you 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 had like it all clicked for you, like okay, like this this is not just like me lobbing thoughts into the abyss? Yeah, I you'll remember this when I say it because you and I talked about this after okay. it happened. But uh, when AJ Brama entered the transfer portal from Robert Morris, this was geez, I don't know, February maybe. I don't remember. It was middle of the season, and uh, it kind of came out of nowhere. And I was the first to break it, so it's not like it was like speculated upon for weeks. Uh, it just kind of came out of the uh, you know found out about it. I was the first to have it, and then. He was probably the highest, like, highly touted transfer in the portal at the time because it was middle of the season. So uh, that that was pretty interesting. I feel like that was probably the one, like, Borzello, Goodman, all those guys tweeted, and I was like, all right, this is this is pretty cool. Like, I didn't I didn't think any of that stuff would ever happen. Right. Is there, is there a moment that stands out so far in the last year? I know you had the big interview, also the return, the first live interview, I believe, that people got to see your face. And you had an old picture that was like the red little figurine guy, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Now yeah, that was the, the St. John's mascot the day COVID canceled the season. Exactly. That was kind of yeah. like Sean Paul all, all year. And people yeah. were like, what is this Sean Paul guy? I like what he writes, but what's that, what's that, what's that mean? And then now you got the basketball. But <clears throat> the first time you came out the video, I believe, was when you interviewed the big fella from Utah Valley saying that he's coming back. Mm -hmm. Was that yeah. – kind of like a highlight moment or is there a specific moment outside of like your breakthrough that's like this is probably one of the cooler moments of me being in media is there one of those yet or not yet no i would say sweeney said it earlier when he saw me on uh, the field of 68 show with jeff goodman yeah. and randolph childress that was that was pretty cool like i'm not when i went into it i was like man i'm pretty nervous but like as i started talking i'm like all right it's just like everything else i've done for the last year and a half i'm like, like I do it's this. nothing basically you were like different. i do yeah. this yeah, like 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 going into that day, I was like, man, like this is. I feel like I'm gonna be terrible. I was nervous, but like once I started talking about hoops, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm good. I'm I'm just gonna put it out there that that was that was just like preposterous. Like I still just like I was still just like, what is going on? Like what has happened to the world? Like what? Like, this is unreal. Hey. But all right, now was this now was this last year? Field of sixty eight? Or was that this year? Because was this no, year. that was this year. That was like this year. You're kind of on the regular right now, right? Yeah, pretty much once a week I'm on the uh, nightly show. So many good people on there. I mean, the fact that I'm even involved with it at all is just like pretty crazy because there's so many good people involved with it. And then I have a weekly mid-major show that I host, mid-major top 25 poll goes up every Tuesday. Nice. So, so right. let, let, let's pick your brain on basketball. Yeah, let's, go, let's go straight um, into it. So I've, you, you mentioned you mentioned the mid-major poll. I believe the number one team in your your ballot, as well as the poll itself right now, is San Francisco Dons. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they had five first place votes. Loyola Chicago had five, and St. Mary's had one this week. Uh, so. I, I, w I was one of those five Loyola <laughs> Chicago first place voters, I'll gladly yep. say. Um, but tell me about the Dons, because you were kind of in on the WCC as a whole. 
Um, tell us what people should know beyond like what we could talk about. Obviously, Bouye is incredible, but you know they've reshaped their team from last year and become a lot more complete. You know, what do you think is the biggest key in so far, and where do you think the ceiling is? Yeah, I spoke to Todd Golden last week on the mid major show, and you know he really talked about the size they added, and that was something I saw from the outside looking in. I was like, okay, that looks like something they definitely put an emphasis on, and he confirmed that. You know, Ewan Masalski coming in from San Diego. He's been their lead, their second leading scorer behind Bouye. He's been their leading rebounder. He's a solid defender. He's been a big time player for them, and that's a guy that was a solid contributor in the WCC on one of the lower end teams for a number of years. There now he steps in and fills a void that San Francisco really struggled with last year because they didn't have a ton of size. They had five shooters on the floor at all times, pretty much, right. but they didn't have that guy that's going to go rebound, going to go defend, going to be able to be on the block. They had that two years ago, Jimbo Lowell, but they didn't have anybody like that last year. Now they have him, they have Patrick Tepay, they have uh, Valdemir Markovetsky, who doesn't play a ton, but he's from Washington State. He could play a little bit. And then Zane Meeks, who's more of a stretch forward. He just came back from injury. So I, I think San Francisco could go a long way. You look at their non-conference schedule, they have a game coming up against Grand Canyon. They play at Arizona State. Those are both winnable games. I think they're probably going to be favored against Arizona State on the road with how much Arizona State struggled this year. And they shoot the three. Their defense has improved. Their offense is good. They have a very good coaching staff. I think San Francisco could win a couple games in the tournament if they get there. And the metrics love them. I mean, top 40 in Ken Palm, top 40 in the net. Unless they lose some games that they're not supposed to lose, I'm not a bracketology guy, but to me, I think they should be in. Tell me this. I mean, so Todd Golden, they had a big win against Virginia last year. That kind of got people to even pay attention more that didn't pay attention to them. Season didn't really – finish the way that they started, but the WCC being as strong as it is, you obviously have Gonzaga, you obviously have BYU. Could they get three teams in? Is that what you're kind of saying that it's possible? Is it, do they have to beat one of those to get in or can they just sweep everybody else and lose those games and still get in? What's your thoughts on that? I know you're not bracketology, but tell me your thoughts on that. I think they could get four. Like it sounds kind of crazy, but when you look at no, it, like when you think about it, like I, I, would look love, at, I would love the four. I would love the four, but like I, I'm, I'm not saying it's a probability, yeah. but it's sure. possible. Like sure. when you look at it, like before the season, I was like, okay, I could see a path for four. I was like, loyal Marymount's the third one. I was incorrect. That was, that was wrong. But you know, it looks like looks like San Francisco and St. Mary's are definitely three and four. Uh, but you look at some of the wins that they've had. St. Mary's has pulled off some pretty good wins, lost against Colorado State on the road. They were underdogs. That was a tough game. They're not necessarily supposed to win that game, but they did win at Utah State earlier in the week. I think as long as those teams, like Gonzaga is going to be in, BYU is going to be in, as long as St. Mary's and San Francisco beat the teams they're supposed to be in the WCC, don't lose to Portland, don't lose to Pacific, don't lose to San Diego, don't lose it to the – bottom half teams because that's going to hurt your resume without a doubt and when you look at some of the potential other bubble teams you look at like the ACC it's a really down conference this year like there yeah. I'm not sure how many teams are really going to get in so if they're getting four teams in and you know you look at the Pac-12 they really only have three really good teams and after that it's like you know what's Washington State is Oregon ever going to figure it out so that could be a three-bid league too the American I mean Houston might be the only like surefire NCAA tournament team. Memphis doesn't look the part right now. Wichita State just lost to Kansas State without their best player. Uh, Cincinnati, they have a big win against Illinois, but they lost to Monmouth. So the AAC might not get that many bids. So when you look at it, you're like, well, you have to fill the bids somewhere. So that's why I think the WCC could sneak in and get four this year. Well, I'll also, also add on that, like when you think about it, the strength from the non-conference that some of the teams in the top half, not just Gonzaga, gotten helps mm -hmm. all of the other teams that are going to be in that mix because right. you're going to have opportunities for like quality wins, right? Like San Francisco, like like they're going to be a, they're going to be a Q1 game on the road for everyone. They might be Q1 at home. Like it's not it's not rule you can't rule it out. Like they can mm -hmm. be top thirty, but like like you're going to have a Q1 home game against BYU. More than likely, they'll be top thirty. Yep. Q1 home game against Gonzaga. Q1 road game against both those teams. So you have four Q1 conference games right there. You're going to have a road game at St. Mary's. That's a Q1 road game. Saint, Santa Clara could be a Q1 road game, top 75. That's not you. That's not out of the question by any means. Frankage being yeah. hurt, like really right. hurt. That like obviously, I like Santa Clara is a really solid team. Like, uh, but Frankage, like I feel like that's going to end up hurting their metrics more than right. like 
it would if he was healthy, right. you know. But the path, like, there's a path there to it being like there, there be you getting like seven or eight Q1 games in mm-hmm. conference play, which was never you're happens. Not, you're not going to be Gonzaga, but like that's crazy for a mid-major league right. WTC. So that's huge. That helps, and even even the Q2s, like even those that don't want to Q1, like. If you can get four, five, six Q2 wins, like that will help. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. bullish. I love the WCC. I hope they get the – I think they'll get the third. I'm very skeptical of the fourth, but I do think they will find a third. I, I think I think three for sure. Like I, I have a I have a hard time believing they can't get three, but I'm with you. Four, it's possible, but not super likely. I want to see it. Yeah, uh-huh. usually, usually in a mid-major league, if you have ranked teams – so my time in the Mountain West even, like if you have ranked teams, that usually gets those guys in. And usually one other team can possibly get in. The second one makes it really hard. Like even Mountain West last year, there was four teams that could potentially go all four mm-hmm. and obviously get in because once they beat each other in the tournament, it kind of knocks off you getting over the edge. But who else do you like in particular right now in your kind of mid-major top 25 that maybe no one's talking about, maybe PBR talking about? Who else kind of stands out to you before you have to get out get and out it, and it, all your other things? You- if you start talking about Iona, I'm going to kick you off the show. So just, uh, <laughs> I'm not. Uh, you actually tweeted about this team yesterday, and I've had in my mid-major pull for a few weeks here, is Western Illinois. They've been really good this year. Uh, they've been very impressive. They won at Nebraska. They played a tight game against DePaul. DePaul really, really almost lost that game when they were up like 10 with a minute left. They turned the ball over like four straight possessions. But, uh, you know, Western Illinois is pretty good. Will Carius coming back for the super senior year. He's been good. Uh, Luca Barisic coming in from UTSA. That's another stretch big man. Trenton yep. Mastner from Northwestern State. That's a shooter. Uh, and then you have Colton Sandage, another shooter. That's exactly what the Summit League has every year. You have a bunch of guys that can shoot the basketball, and Western Illinois can really do that. I think I had them 15th in my mid-major poll this week. You know, I, I was trying to, before the season, figure out, like, who the fourth best team in the Summit League would be, and I wasn't really sure. South Dakota, their best player, A.J. Plitzewhite's out for the year. So I was like, I don't really know the fourth team's going to be as, like, maybe UMKC, but it's definitely Western Illinois, and they might even be, like, the third best team in the league. So you never know what can happen. Oral Roberts was the fourth seed in the Summit League tournament last year. So if right. you get hot at the right time, anything can happen. I think we got to get Sean Paul out of here. So we're gonna. I'm gonna leave him with this. If he has anything else, we can add it too. I got one more. But go how, ahead. how do you how do you stay on? How do you keep track of all these dudes? I think people ask me this all the time. So I'm curious what other people say. Man. Like when you're talking, like you know, like when you're running through Summit League rosters, kind of off the top of your head, or you're scrolling Kempom really quick, like what I do usually. You know, like mm-hmm. like t- tell me how that organization process. I've changed a lot. I used to be like we're all off the top of my head. Now I have this massive spreadsheet with notes and depth charts and everything. What's the uh, what's the process like for you to know something about every team in Division One? I'm like the most disorganized person you'll ever meet. Like I swear, like like it's sad actually. Like it's very very unimpressive. But like even when I was in like elementary school, like I'd have teachers like have me clean out my backpack in class because of how much of a mess it was. Like, I, like <laughs> I'm bad. I'm bad with notes. I'm bad with all that stuff. So I'm really just off the top of my head. Like I don't remember like super important things. But I remember college basketball, so that that that's Which what is it's super about. important to you. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know why. Like any really anything sports related, college basketball mainly. I'm just like, it's weird. Like I can just remember it pretty easily. I don't know why, but like so if it's saying, math, what you're saying is you're low key the Jay Z of college basketball writing. Yeah, like no, like no, if it's no, a math equation, I, to be I can't figure it out. Top of the dome, straight off the top of the dome. Unreal, unreal. I got one more for you. Um, who is this year's Oral Roberts for you? That's kind of what was like the claim to fame for you a little bit or the breakout moment when you kind of called that and you were spot on with Oral Roberts and your projection there. And maybe a little too early, but who is maybe two teams that kind of feel like they could be in that category? Yeah, well, one I'm going to go with is uh, they probably won't be like – they'll probably be like a 12 or a 13, but I'll go with South Dakota State. They've got a couple win potential in them if they're hitting their shots. Like They don't have the most athletic team, but it's not like Oral Roberts did either. Uh, Douglas Wilson, solid uh, player inside. He's not like a super good back-to-the-basket guy, but he can score inside. And then you have your shooters, Baylor Shireman, really good six-foot-six point guard. I know Kevin Sweeney loves him. You have Noah Friedel, a knockdown shooter averaging 20 a game. He opted out midway through last year. 
and that really didn't help South Dakota State. Uh, opted out because of mental health issues, which is way more important than basketball, so good on him for recognizing that. But, uh, yeah, having him back has been awesome. He's been averaging 20 a game, so he's going to be a good piece. They have depth. Uh, and, you know, they're a really good offensive team. They're one of the best. I think they're, like, top 20 in Ken Palm right now offensively, so they've been really good. Their defense isn't great, but their offense is really good. And then another one, they're kind of in the same, like, Oral Roberts conversation as last year. Like, they're not the best team in their league. They're, like, fourth, fifth best in their league. But Northern Colorado, like, if they get hot, like, I've, I tweeted about this, like, a while, like, right after the season ended, they added some pieces and I was like, I, if they get hot, I think that they could do it because they shoot a ton of threes, and that's one of the formulas I really think you need to win games in the tournament. Like, if you're a team that can just light like it up, make 15 threes, I think you have the formula it takes to win to win a game in the tournament. They would be like a 15, so that would be a big upset. But, you know, if I had to pick one that's like a 15 that could do it, it'd probably be them. Maybe maybe like Texas Southern, but they don't make a ton of threes. So Did we just – did we just – did I get lost in a bizarre world where uh, Sean Paul's the one on the Northern Colorado payroll and not Brian Burton? Is that, I, I kind of forgot mean? about that for a moment, but that's not why I said it. Like, I wrote about this, so uh, check that out if you haven't. Check but, the receipts, yeah. Kevin. Check the receipts. That just yeah, happened to be yeah, associated but, with greatness. I mean, I'll say this about Northern Colorado. Um, I saw him in practice early, and I kind of said it going around the practices. Colorado State, I thought, was a for-sure tournament team, and I still feel like that. Uh, I thought Colorado with the Big 12, as they get better and can get some quality wins, has a chance to be a tournament team. Tad Boyle is as good as any at kind of figuring out that formula to help those guys grow. Um, and then Northern Colorado, I feel like similar to what you said, they have enough playmaking and a lot of shot making and enough experience that I feel like when the tournament happens uh, that they can beat anybody on kind of a neutral floor and not being able to see it live up close they're 2 and 0 in conference right now Steve Smiley and staff's done a great job um mm. and Bodie Hume is kind of the guy that they against Colorado State he has 30 right so he's exactly yeah. 9 of 14 but like he hasn't been the best player in their first two games in conference which i think is also a great sign for them so um, yeah, yeah I, I, think, I, I, think I think getting him going is big, though. Like, he doesn't yeah, have to sure. be better than Dalen Coons, but like, you got to get him to like a 14, 15 point per game guy, I think. For sure. I would agree. Sean Paul, one funny story before you go, then we, we're letting you bounce. Any funny story about your organizational backpack or anything you got for us? You already kind of gave us one, but you got to give us one more before you go. Man, one it can funny be a basketball story. story. It can be. One time uh, at band camp story, whatever you got for it. Oh, I've got a good Sean Paul story if Sean doesn't have one for himself. Do what, do you, what do you got? So we're, we're in a large group chat, you know, and it's, it's we got 20 people in here. We got Sean Paul. We got the three-man weave guys. We got Eli from Heat Check, Lucas from Heat Check, uh, Rob Doss, Jeff Goodman. And Sean will just send, like, some of the most wild stuff in this. Oh, God, I don't know where this is going. <laughs> And one time he like sent a question about like our opinions on dating apps or like what we should, what we should be saying about each other on a, or what we should say about ourselves in our like dating app bios. <laughs> and like the, the, the response was just like unreal, unreal. Like, I mean, we had, we had people, we, we had experts calling in, you know, Aaron Robinson, our guy from all facts. I think he's a dating app expert. So he came in with the heat. Uh, I was, I was opining. I mean, we were all, we were all in there. So Sean Paul was just, we're we're just sitting there like he 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 will he will literally transition from like you know I think northern like he'll he'll send in the chat like man northern Colorado is gonna win tonight and then the next thing it's like all right fellas Tinder profile advice what do we got it's like dude, <laughs> it's, dude, that's dude, really how it is dude things can flip fast <laughs> zero to hundred real quick zero to hundred Sean we appreciate you taking the time man loved having you we'll definitely have you back if you don't follow Sean Paul CBB on uh, Twitter. You're missing out. You're not really serious about your college basketball intel. So this is the guy. Any last words? We'll let you run, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You know, uh, nice win uh, by Texas Southern there. It looks like it's final. So good good win on them. That's my final thoughts. I like it. I like it. They will probably be our uh, one of our teams for the week that we'll talk about next week. But, Sean, thanks so much again, man. Sean Paul, greatness right there. One of a kind. One of a kind. Man, as they say, one of one.
so how old is John Paul? I feel like I don't know this, and I he is not twenty one. I, I I think he's twenty, might be nineteen. Wow. He is not twenty one yet. He cannot have a beer. Wow. wow, that's a that's a different level of. He's like on the Sweeney path, man. He's like the next Sweeney. Can you I believe? Think, that's I, I don't think I'm old enough for that to be a next Sweeney. Oh, that's the thing. That's that's the thing. You were in college, doing the college basketball thing, and nobody even knew that. Like I think it was who who was on? Don't tell me. Um, former head coach. He's at Stanford now. Rob Eason. Um, Rob Eason was on, and I'm pretty sure he was like, "Man, I didn't know you were like." He, he didn't even realize. He thought I was like 30. Yeah, he thought I was like 30. Yeah. He's like, "Wait a minute, you're still in college? Like, what is this?" I've been like, recall. I've been like tweeting your stuff and like following you. I didn't even know. I don't know. Yeah, that's the Sweeney effect, man. Yes, that that was great. And Sean, Sean's one of a kind. So we got a lot to talk about, though. We got a, a yeah, great new stuff. new segment to to debut today. Yeah, new segment. We got the new segment. I feel like we need a drum roll. Should we drum roll? New segment is. Let me make sure I get out of the screen and like get this right. All right, now we're ready. So we got okay. the Sweeney Seven, ladies and gentlemen. For season two, we have the Sweeney Seven. That will be seven topics that Sweeney wants to make sure we cover in college basketball. Uh, so we will flash that up there, Sweeney seven time right there. Uh, what do we want to start with in the Sweeney seven? Yeah, I mean, we're going to go from high major, you know, defend. we're going to start start with the defending national champs and we will work our way all the way down to, you know, the MIAC. So it's, it's pretty great. Uh, and we'll get it through a little quicker than we used to last year. So uh, I love, I love it's it. So, a whole new season of coast to coast. Get ready. Baylor yeah. Bears. Let's do Baylor it. Baylor Bears. Dominated a battle for Atlantis at Thanksgiving. I mean, did an unbelievable job. I just think it has become underrated, the fact that Baylor is undefeated, a top-five team, heading into a showdown with Villanova this weekend in Waco. They lost four starters from that team from last year. Davion Mitchell is a lottery pick. Uh, Jared Butler, who's an NBA player, would have been a first-round pick if not for his heart issues, and still still drafted in the NBA. Mark Vidal, who is a great college player, uh, and Macy NFL or maybe isn't he was, he's in the NFL. I think he's on a practice squad. Yep. And Macy Oteague is a high level pro. I think he's in the G League, but he's really, really good. They lose four guys that good, and they are right here again. I mean, I think I think so much of it is about this Baylor culture. I mean, look, they have great talent, right? They have they have yep. two more guys who are gonna be NBA players, and Jeremy Sohan and Kendall Brown, who've really helped them on defense and all that. But I think the Baylor culture has Held on, and it's a great example of culture being everything in this sport. And yep. it, it, and also, and I've mentioned this in a few different things. They're the rare team. They won a national title. Their whole staff was back, right? I mean, okay. they they lost some guys kind of down the bench, you know, GAs and things like that. Who got better opportunities, but yep. their three assistant coaches, uh, John Jacobs, Alvin Brooks, and Jerome Tang, three guys who will be head coaches, and I would argue yep. should be head coaches already. Those guys are all back, and I think. That has helped them be kind of the standard bearers of the culture, and that's why they've been so successful. So just want to show some love early to the, the national champs who are somehow being slept on yet again. Yeah, I'll say uh, the culture of joy, as they refer to it. We've had Jerome Tang on. Um, we actually have Coach Jay coming on tomorrow, I believe, with Eli on Heat Check. So excited about that. Um, they just won a football championship in the 12. But going back to the basketball culture, if we really – look a step back further they could have won two national championships in a row potentially which yep. is insane to think about with baylor but they were playing as good as anybody i think in the last three years their record is like 62 and 6 in the regular season alone uh we had jerome tango earlier this year on coast to coast um yeah unbelievable job and i still think that scott drew is not talked about as one of the best coaches in college basketball and no one has inherited a program that was in worse state than he did. Uh, and Jerome Tang's been there every step of the way with him as his right hand man. And yeah, I just I can't. I don't think you can count him out. And another thing to add to that, uh, Langston Love, if I'm not mistaken, tore his ACL and was yep. a top recruit, five star level player coming in that easily could be putting them on a whole nother plateau that they are or playing than they already are uh, because of his ability as another guard who can make plays and score. So shout out to the Baylor staff for continuing to do it. And they still have more coming in for next year. So I know everyone talks about Texas and the, the, the job they've done with their staff and their recruiting. And people are talking about Kansas as always, but 
Baylor, I mean, unbelievable what they've done. Yep. And they've done it with every type of kid. You know, we've, this this has been written about all the time, but everyone from the five stars early in the tenure to transfers like Monty LeCompte and all those guys, underrated guys and three stars. And then they kind of meshed that with transfers, three stars and five stars last year. Now they got some five stars again. So there. And they've also, last thing I'll say, they've had that red shirt kind of, uh, what's the guy in the NBA um, from San Antonio? I think he's on the Hawks. I'm drawing a blank. He signed with Long Island originally and then ends up going there. Um, Torian Prince. Torian Prince. Torian Waller Prince. Low a- major signee. They bring him in, end up redshirting him a little bit somewhere along the way, and he's an NBA dude. They just find ways. Uh, I think the Utah Jazz have another one, um, drawing a blank on his name, from Colleen that was at Denver. O'Neal, Royce O'Neal. Royce O'Neal. Another one. So, anyway, we can talk all day. Uh, next one in the Sweeney 7 is the Big Ten's breakout sophomores. Uh, two guys. Like, everybody talked about in the preseason, they were talking about Jaden Ivey and Andre Curbelo. Jaden Ivey's loaded the type. He's going to be a top 10 pick. He's awesome. Curbelo, he's been injured. He was struggling before. He was having some you know, some issues with, with turnovers. Again, things that you expect when you are a sophomore being thrust into a huge role as, right. on a team that expects to win big, right? But two dudes who are both three-star recruits have completely changed their teams. Keegan right. Murray at Iowa and Johnny Davis at Wisconsin. I'll start with Davis because I, I got to see him a bunch in person in Vegas yeah. last week or two weeks ago. Time is really like – a flat circle at this point. I have no idea what, what day it is, but um, Johnny Davis was unbelievably impressive. You know, three-star kid was not like, was an in-state kid for, for guard at Wisconsin. He is a big time, big time scorer. You know, last year he was in the rotation. He was kind of like energy wing this year. He's he's got this high release. He can get it over people in the mid range. He can shoot it from three. He is an awesome defender too. He's an outstanding perimeter defender. I think I think he's gonna be a top fifteen pick, but he has okay. Wisconsin, a group that is rebuilding. They had seven seniors last year. They lost all but one of them. Brad Davison came back for the COVID year. For them to be where they are and ranked, I believe this week. If not, they will be very soon. I mean, that says everything about the job that that, that Johnny Davis is doing for this team because he, I, I I'm not I'm not knocking the rest of the players, but they've got a bunch of role players. And then they've got Johnny Davis and Johnny Davis is the special and Iowa. I mean, Iowa with, with Keegan Murray, Keegan Murray was the 334th ranked recruit in the 2020 recruiting class. He is currently leading the country in scoring as a sophomore playing in the big 10. He is balling out. He's going to be another, he's another guy who's going to be a top 10 pick. He was in the rotation last year. He came off the bench, you know, bided his time. And here he is right now leading the way for an Iowa team that is exceeding expectations. That looks completely different than any Fran McCaffrey team. I've seen in like the last five years at Iowa. Early on in the center, it's more athletic guys, and he kind of switched to the, the shooting. Murray can do everything. He's athletic. He can shoot the ball. He can handle the ball. He can dunk uh, at a high level. I mean, he is just a fantastic player. So he's those two bucket. guys. He's a bucket. Yes. Those two guys are unbelievably fun to watch and have you know, shifted their team's expectations completely. I'd also say like they, they're not what you think of when you think of Wisconsin and Iowa basketball. Like, right. Everything you like, Luca Garza was unbelievable, but he's still like what you kind of think of when you're like, oh yeah, who, who's a kid who's like who would go right. play at Iowa? It's Luca right, Garza. Right, like, right. Keegan Murray's skill level is not what you see at Iowa. John Davis's bucket getting ability is not what you see at Wisconsin. They've been awesome. Love it, love it. Next one of the twenty-seven, number three, which is Ben Johnson, the homie, one of my main man, hundred grand at Minnesota, seven and zero. Oh. Talk about it. Well, I think I first owe the shout out to you because you never wavered in your Ben Johnson belief. I'll be honest, I was I was questioning some things, not about the hire, but right, about right, how right. he's recruited, right? I thought he right. was unbelievably qualified, right, for, for the job. It's different different path path than most, but was it was a good hire and just right. the recruiting was a little bit different than what you've seen. It was really right. heavily prioritizing in-state kids who were coming home, transferring old guys. I was like, I just don't think they have enough talent. And look, I don't think they're an NCAA tournament team. I think that'd be crazy if they are. I mean, that'd be the best story in the sport for this year if they if they are. But the fact that they're seven and zero, that they're beating Mississippi State and Pitt and winning high major games with the talent that they have, I think tell, tells you a lot about college basketball, right? It tells you, and we were texting about this, right? Like, you don't need three all-conference players to win in college basketball. Right. What you need, you need some talent, but what you really need is guys who are 100% bought into you. And as a coach, you need to 
be 100% confident in who you are and the guys you need to recruit to be successful. And I think there's a lot of teams around the country that could learn a lot from what Ben Johnson is doing right now in Minnesota. Yeah, and doing it at the highest level is usually harder, right? Like you see the teams, we text about this too, Abilene Christian, who I worked with, Joe Golden, I worked at Abilene. And you see it at kind of that lower level where it's like, okay, those guys kind of got some blue-collar guys and some – but, man, you see it at some of the, even the mid-major levels, like maybe a Belmont or insert mid-major team here, uh, George Mason back in the day. or uh, Now, Butler ended up having guys that end up playing in the NBA, but they weren't highly touted guys. But Ben, to his credit, and his path along the way and how he's kind of figured it out, uh, so Ben played college ball with my older brother. So I've known Ben since I was a kid and he's like family. And uh, he came on this show last year or matter of fact with Eli uh, when he was at Xavier, but I got a chance to get to know and talk about his philosophy through another organization with rising coaches. And I just think, like you said, he's one of those guys that he knows what he wants. He's confident his, his formula to win. And similar to what you just referred to with Baylor and culture, he's figured out his culture of how to get guys that love being in Minnesota that fit him, his style. Uh, and I'm going to go the opposite of you and say they are going to make the tournament because the Big Ten is so strong. They're going to get enough wins to where their resume is going to be like, everybody wants to have that kind of Cinderella darling team in, and they may be on the fringe, but they're going to end up getting over the hump in the end, I think, because of the strength of schedule for playing the league. So, And, uh, that's the, my opinion, that's and the last thing I'll say on Minnesota and Ben Johnson – I think you know, a lot of talk about culture and energy and we, 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 we ignore a lot of like the X's and O stuff on, right. the, on the show. And it's, it's kind of hard to talk about because it's hard to be that in depth on every team, but like right. Minnesota has such a narrow margin of, 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 of things that they can do to win. Right. And they're executing what they need to do to win. Right. They, they, they have no depth. Right. So they, they're playing seven guys. So they don't send anyone to the offensive class. They send everybody back. They stop everything in transition. They run their stuff on offense. Right. And like, they, they again. It's so narrow right now. Like one, th- one injury could really throw everything off, and they could go into a tailspin. But what they're doing, like, like Ben Johnson came in, was like, okay, here are the limitations of what I have, right? And here's what I'm going to need to do for us to win. And he has every single dude in that rotation, one million percent bought into that. And I think that's that's huge. Yeah, I'll say this last thing too. Like you almost see it in the international game, right? Where you see the NBA has all these talented guys, or USA team has all these talented guys. But then you put these teams that are bought in, they're tough, they're smart, they're together, they're unified, and their coach really has a great game plan for how they want to go about it. I think Ben Johnson is not only giving a preview for people now at 7-0, and but Ben Johnson shows that Minnesota made the right hire. They hired an alum, a guy who understands the culture in that place, and I think you'll see a lot of success from Ben Johnson for years to come. Uh, next one on the Sweeney 7, number four. Favorite game of the week. What you got for us? Yeah, this will be a quick one, but I'm super excited about Iowa State, Iowa in Ames on Thursday night. Uh, we mentioned Iowa. Why we should be excited. Keegan Murray, he's awesome. But Iowa State is another team that just come out of nowhere. You know, they went 2-22 and last year. Uh, hired T.J. Osselberger, another guy who kind of took a lot of heat as a hire. You know, thought obviously he had the ties to uh, the Hoiberger and doing a great, did a great job as an assistant, but things didn't go great at UNLV. And, you know, he just has a really, really solid group that believes in him. They've got great guards. This freshman Tyrese Hunter has been a game changer. And so that matchup is going to be fun. And I, I will tell you this. I will never miss watching a, a, a Cyhawk rivalry game when it's being played at, at Hilton, Hilton Coliseum. Well, Hilton Magic. Outstanding stuff to watch. So that's my, yeah. my favorite game of the week. Great game of the week. I love it. Uh, shout out to the homie JR that's over there on staff. He's done a great job and uh, excited about that game as well. There'll definitely be some fireworks in the building. Who's your pick? Did you say who you think is going to win the game? I'm taking Iowa State because they don't lose it. They don't lose it Hilton. When okay. when it's I like it. I like it. A lot of buckets. Uh, going to the next one, which we got the new whack. We're talking about Texas, Utah, a little bit of California. We got the leading uh, assist guy in the country. You got GCU there in Arizona. You got so much stuff going on with the merger of the WAC. Talk about it. Yeah, I mean, B kind of kind of made this a, a whack whack favoring network last year. We had a lot of yeah. whack coverage. We loved it. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, the league has been as good as I had hoped, right? Like you knew yeah. the Grand Canyon with Bryce Drew, and you knew that New Mexico State under Jans, but also really under anyone. They're gonna be really good. And Stephen yeah. F. Austin, 
comes in, that's another premier program. But the depth has been really, really impressive. You know, yeah. Abilene Christian now five and two. Um, you know, Brett Tanner doing a nice job. They played a couple of bye games early in the year. Very nearly beat Texas A&M. That's a yeah. good. That's a good basketball team. Um, Utah Valley. We're going to mention them in our awards segment. They are seven and one on the year. Uh, they just beat BYU. Mark Madsen has them playing really, really hard. And obviously, their big kid Amok has been unbelievable. But you just kind of work it down. Seattle seven and two. Cal Baptist. You mentioned the point guard Taron Armstrong. He's you know he's he's a triple double threat. He's awesome. So the freshman. Yeah, and, and and I'll even throw in Tarleton. I mean, Tarleton's got the worst record in the league, but that they've been on a bye game tour. Everybody's different, right? They have to fund their department, and they've played some really some really good teams. Tough, like no one other than Alabama and Duke have played have played Gonzaga harder than Tarleton. They yeah. played Michigan really hard. They played Kansas really hard for a half. They played Stanford really hard. So this league is going to be just awesome to watch. Like if you just want to watch really high level, competitive, athletic mid major basketball. Yep. Like turn on some whack games on Thursday nights. I'm telling you, you're going to have a blast. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love it. I'm biased to the league. We're actually coming up. This is breaking news a little bit, but we're going to have a whack uh, hoops special show when conference play starts uh, with my man, Kyle uh, McDonald from the whack hoops digest. So looking forward to that. So stay tuned to that, but yeah, the whack conference uh, kind of taking you back to the whack of old, just feeling like it's one of those mid-major leagues that, May not quite get two bids in because you need that top 25 level team and they don't really have that, but high, high level basketball being played in that league. Uh, and you I think doing the numbers between the last three years, the merger between the Southland and the WAC teams that are in there now, there's nine coaches and programs that have either gotten coach of the year or conference champion in the last three years. So that just shows the level of play. We didn't even mention Sam Houston State, who's been good, haven't quite jumped to great yet, but another program in there to mention too. So yeah, that's the, that's the new whack. Um, this is where we get fun. Cause we got the, we got the shy town city game that just happened. We got the shy town Prince here on the show, Kevin Sweeney. Uh, he may not like the Prince, the fresh Prince of shy town. How about I say that? Right. Give me a little Will Smith reference, fresh Prince of shy town. Let's talk Loyola Chicago. They got a new young head coach. Who's I believe the youngest head coach in the country. That's correct. And uh, he's showing that he was also another elite hire in the offseason. Yeah, they, they just won the red line rivalry. So that's the Paul and Loyola Chicago. I would love Chicago to get more involved in like the right, making sure everyone plays each other. Yep. Like Northwestern does not play Loyola. They do play to Paul. I would love to see Northwestern start playing Loyola Chicago every year. I think it'd be great for the, great for the area. Uh, but that was a fun game. Really high level. Two teams that were playing at a playing really hard and are playing at a high level early in the season. Obviously you mentioned Drew. He's doing a fantastic job with the group that they have, but you know, Tony Stubblefield has the ball. This, this is not a perfect roster by any means, but they play hard as heck. Yep. Like they, they, you are not going to get an easy 40 minutes when you play this team right now. So that was a really fun ball game up and down and uh, Loyola found a way to win it, but they're, I believe seven and two now, six and two, seven and two. Um, but the most important thing they have they have two kind of resume type wins with Arizona State and DePaul. Um, they're old with with Braden Norris at point guard and Lucas Williamson, who feels like he's been there for like 30 years on the wing. And I hear Uguak up front. And the sophomore big kid they have, Jacob Hudson, has been unbelievable. They've got the grad transfers from the Ivy League and Schwieger on the wing from Princeton and Knight up front from Dartmouth. They've got a really, really good Really good basketball team. It's going to be an at-large caliber team once again. Again, it's it's tough. I think they will have the opportunity to be there. It's going to be a thin margin, just like it always is when you're in the Valley. But, you know, they're they're a really high-level basketball team. And Drew Valentine deserves a lot of praise for, for winning that ball game. Also deserves praise for going out recruiting that night. He went to the Chicago Elite Classic uh, and made sure he was uh, he was photographed there. Oh, with it was viral. Resistance. It went viral. So that was that. That was very. That was a veteran coaching move from. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's also like not only veteran, but it's like showing like it's a new wave in Chicago. Like not yes, only sir. are we about business and about winning, but we're cool enough to still be in tune with social media and what kids care about and like the branding that he's doing now. And, and granted, there's nothing you can take away ever from what Porter Moser's done there. That they probably may have to consider legitimately having a statue there for him uh, going to the final four and everything that they did. But like the way he's doing it is still honoring that, but it's his own way. And I think that part is really cool to see because everybody's like, Oh, they're going to play the same way. Are they going to be as good? Are they going to be, it's a really good defensive team, but a really good offensive team and their staff 
just seems like they have a presence of like, yeah, we're young. We know what we're doing, but we're also going to have some fun. And you said, you said, cool. They've got the coolest sneaker game in college basketball right now, bro. You, you, you go, you go look up Drew Valentine and Amora Morgan's Twitter pages, their Instagram pages. They've got some heat. They got some, they got some maroon and gold uh, dunk lows that are just unreal right now. So shout shout out to Amara Morgan, who is going to be on the show. We thought he was going to be on today. Couldn't quite make it work, but he'll be on here soon. On another time. On another time. Yeah, Absolutely. no doubt. No doubt. So last but not least of the Sweeney Seven. Oh, you got one more thing? No, no, no I was just going to say if that's our last one. I got to get I gotta get us our last one, Norfolk State. Yeah, last one. Shout out to Norfolk State. Yeah. Nine and one to start the season. Currently nine and two. They had a little slip on a buzzer beater uh, just last night to Hampton or two days ago to Hampton, whichever one it was. But Norfolk State, uh, shout out to head coach Rob Jones. Uh, one of the elite coaches in the country. I actually got to see them up close and personal before their first game in their ring ceremony. Uh, got some cool footage that will roll out later in the year on that. But uh, shout out to Rob Jones. Got to see practice, got to see shoot around, got to see how they go about what they do and kind of get behind the scenes. And it's no wonder I actually was fortunate. I got to coach against them when I was at UTEP in a game and everybody circles right, wrong and different. We know what college basketball is. There's guarantee games. Texas Southern just won one against Florida. So people understand Johnny Jones is not one you want to play against. Well, No Fork State is definitely one you don't want to play against. We took an L to them uh, at UTEP. I think we might have been down 15 at one point in time. It was ugly. But Coach can really coach on the offensive end, the defensive end. He can recruit. Uh, he's the star in the business. So I'll let you take it. The, the the only thing you need to know beyond what you just said there is that their nine and one start is not just the best start for Norfolk State in their D1 era. It's the best start for any MEAC team in non-conference play yep. ever, ever in the history of the MEAC. And again, part of that is the kind of structure and the financial arrangement that these HBCUs have to play to fund their programs. They got to go play ball games. They got to go and Norfolk's been able to play it a little bit differently. And they have a late, a few ball games later and they have some that's once early, but they're playing winnable games and you see what happens when they're, you know, putting an opportunity to see they're seeing that high level. So shout out to, shout out to Rob Jones, shout out to Norfolk state doing a great job. Yep. Absolutely. That's the Sweeney seven first edition made it through. I love it. All right. We're going to close the show. We got some new things that we're rolling out. We have uh, awards. So we'll talk about, uh, a couple high major awards we'll give, a couple mid majors, and a couple HBCU awards that we'll give every week uh, here on the show. So we'll start with the high majors. What do we got for them, Sweeney? Tell us who we got and what we got. For first, we got. I'll tell them what awards we got. High major team of the week, and then we also have the high major player of the week. So let us know about it. So team of the week, we're gonna go with Ohio State. Uh, it was close. Ohio State. Uh, and Alabama, kind of between the two. And it worked out well because we get the player of the week. We'll give you later as an Alabama player. But yeah, Ohio State wins two games. They beat the sitting number one team of the country um, in Duke in an incredible, incredible game. Kind of just hung in the whole way. Like a great example of if you just if you don't if you don't get blown away, eventually you're going to have a shot to make a run. And they kind of made that run and won it. Um, but then they won on the road to Penn State. And like like literally, if, if you if you think back, think about it, right? Like Duke beat Gonzaga. And then had to go on the road like four days later. Right. And they kind of sleepwalk through Ohio State. Ohio State beat them. Would have been pretty easy for Ohio State to do the exact same thing with Penn State. And they didn't. They took care of business. They won the game. So look, Chris Holtman, I mean, they're working through some stuff. They've been having to play like EJ Liddell at the three uh, because their starting three man, Justice Suing, has been injured. He's going to be out for a little longer. Um, so the fact that they're, they are where they are, especially after a slow start to the year, is, is pretty impressive. So they're, they're my, uh, my team of the week in the high major world. Yeah, and quick shout-out to Tony Skin. He was also on Coast to Coast earlier. If you missed that episode, check it out on YouTube or on Apple or Spotify. Uh, he's bringing his own winning element as a former Final Four player at George Mason. Now we got the high major player of the week. What you got for us here? How about Jaden Shackelford from Alabama? This is a guy who came back. He was in, in the draft, was planning on going pro, kind of had it all set, and then last second said, I'm going to go in the portal. Instead of going pro, it's like, oh, man, like he could go anywhere in the country. He'd be that good. Decided, you know, like Alabama's the best fit for me. Came yep. back, and they've put him in six positions to succeed, and he succeeded. You know, he had 28-9, and nine, and they went over Gonzaga. He was the best player on the floor. And, and a game where you have the national player of the year, likely in Drew Timmy. Yep. You have a potential top three pick in Chet Holmgren. Potentially and the number, number one, one pick. coming in in the country. Yep. You have – 
potentially the best point guard in the country in ancient empire, the best player on the floor in that game was Jade Shackleford. So I think that's the best possible way to uh, earn oneself the uh, high major player of the week award. No doubt. Great way to start out the high major team and player of the week, basically beating number one team in the country in Ohio state and then following up with another win and then being essentially the best player in the country that week um, for Alabama. We love to see it. So, now we'll go to the mid-major level. Although we did have Sean Paul on, we didn't get his input on this. because We didn't need it because we got Kevin Sweeney, okay? Kevin Sweeney is Kevin Sweeney. So College Basketball Central was used to be his name. He's now Kevin Sweeney from Sports Illustrated. Things change. But who is the mid-major team of the week we got? We mentioned him earlier in the show. Uh, what you got there? Yeah, Utah Valley. I mean, they, they're now 7-1. and one. Last week they beat BYU at home. Again, first of all, it's just like a cool game to get to play when you get to host a Stream. kind of a big brother in a rivalry game. Kudos to everyone in the state for making that happen. I think Utah has one of the great kind of basketball cultures in the the country in terms of every mid all the mid majors and the high majors they play each other in some form or fashion. They make a way to make it work. Yep. And uh, you know, BYU goes to Utah Valley, and you know, BYU takes a loss, and that's not because Utah Valley is, you know, it's not because BYU was sleepwalking, right? That's because Utah Valley is really good. They again had the best play on the floor in Fardos Amok, who had 24 points and 22 rebounds, also five steals and three blocks. He had an unbelievable game. He had two threes. I mean, he did everything for them in that game. They brought a guard off the bench, Justin Harmon, who hit some big shots, goes for 24 in the game. And you that's like a that's a program defining win for Mark Madsen. Yep. You know, obviously coming off the Mark Pope era, and I think Mark Pope is one of the great coaches in college basketball. There's a reason they've had the success they had at BYU. But you know, that was going to be a hard act to follow. At yeah. Utah Valley and Mark Madsen, who did not have really the college basketball background, the coaching experience, yep. had them competing for a WAC title last year. Was like, okay, was that a COVID fluke? It is clearly not a COVID fluke. So shout out to Utah Valley for a huge yep. upset victory over BYU and uh, a great college basketball atmosphere as a whole. Yeah, I'll say a couple of things on that too. I'm actually going to Utah Valley this week, so I get to see those guys Thursday and uh, kind of get to take a, maybe a picture with the team of the week for coast to coast uh, and watch practice. But Mark Matson, one of the best people in all of college basketball, tremendous human being, so humble, so gracious. Uh, if anybody remembers, like he was the one dancing with Kobe and Shaq uh, when they won championships with the Lakers, big NBA background, played at Stanford, was an elite level player at Stanford. Uh, so it's great to see kind of that NBA guy get hired and have success. He was following Mark Pope, who did it a much different way to be able to follow that and still have your own mark that you're making and doing it in that fashion and even kind of beat uh, BYU in that ranked fashion, uh, big rivalry. But also, they won a conference championship last year. We talked about how good the WAC is. They co-champed it last year, and so credit to them. They didn't get to go to the tournament because Grand Canyon made it, but Utah Valley is a legitimate, legit, legit, mid-major program that is continuing to be on the rise and continue to earn respect. So shout out to them. Now we'll go mid-major player of the week. What you got for us? Yeah, there's a lot of great candidates here. Um, but the guy I want to shout out is Jalen House, the point guard for New Mexico, because we've mentioned it with, with the Utah Valley BYU game. That's a rivalry type of game. New Mexico, New Mexico State is a big-time rivalry. There, there is a That is a basketball-crazed state. Right. Mexico. They love their hoops there and they love their two kind of mid-major programs and UNM in a rebuilding year under Richard Pitino. They've been much better than expected. A big reason why is Jalen House. He drops 31 and five assists. goes 10 of 11 for the free throw line in a win over New Mexico State. And this was, you know, this was a game where New Mexico was was significant underdogs. They were on the road. They go on the road and they beat New Mexico State that is a huge kind of program early defining program win for, for Richard Pitino. And he has his point guard Jalen house to thank. So uh, congrats to Mr. House, the, uh, the mid-major play of the week in, uh, in for, for the all access network, the college coast show show. Yeah. Yeah. We love it. And uh small little error there on the last thing. It said mid-major player of the week, Utah Valley is supposed to be team, but Hey, technical difficulties, production team. We're still elite. We'll keep rolling. Uh, let's go HBCU a little bit. Let's show some HBCU love. Sometimes they don't get the love they deserve, and it's hard to get on that kind of bigger scale of respect. Uh, we got a mid-major team of – I mean, excuse me, HBCU team of the week. Who do you got for the very first inaugural HBCU team of the week? Well, 
we already know next week will be Texas Southern. Right. Uh, to beat Florida here on a Monday night. But we're looking last week, and uh, shout out to South Carolina State. Uh, yep. They go on the road. They win a bye game at uh, South Florida. Again, I think any anyone who's been in the profession, you certainly can speak to this. Be like winning a game when someone's paying you to play it. Yeah, it is so special. And for them not to have a Division One win in their their books before that, to kind of go through some of the some of the wars early on, playing a tough schedule, playing on the road, to go out there and beat a high major team like South Florida, and in the way that they did it too on a on a buzzer beater, that that's just awesome to see. So. Uh, that that was an awesome win for 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 Coach Madlock at South Carolina State, who's getting to coach his son, which is a, a dream of its own. So and who and who made the shot? His son. His son made the shot. I think. Let me let me double check. You're, I think you're right. They did not have another Division One win. They've they had a non D one, but that that's it. Yep. Yeah, they've been close. They they played actually in the MTE that we hosted the Rising Coaches Classic. Uh, they were close against Loyola. Uh, they were close against. Uh, UC Upstate, they lost by four. Uh, they were close against, uh, semi close against Citadel, competitive. But to get one of those money games on a buzzer beater, coach's son makes a shot. You just love to see it. Their program last year, I don't know if they had a Division One win all year last year, if I'm not mistaken. South Carolina State, uh, they they may have only won a couple games. They won one. They went one in seventeen, and it was one win over Florida A&M. That was it. Yep. Yeah, one game they won all year. So to be able to win that. Earlier in your tenure to get the buy-in and belief, uh, shout out to, to South Carolina State on that kind of Fort Center shot. Uh, last one we got HBCU Player of the Week. How about how about the freshman point guard at Howard, Elijah Hawkins? I mean, he's been a great story for them all season long. He's been outstanding, and Howard has been a really feisty team. I mean, they've they've given some teams some tough afternoons. I think they put like seventy-five or eighty points on Villanova, which you know. Again, Villanova known for its offense under Jay Wright, but they guard you. I mean, they, they how to put up that number was was crazy. Yeah, they, they scored eighty one points on Villanova, and a huge reason why all season long has been Elijah Hawkins. Uh, Hawkins had two two big games this past week, including he had nineteen points and six assists against Mount St. Mary's in a two point loss in a rivalry game uh, in the kind of you know DMV area, and then they beat American ninety to fifty six behind a solid game. He had eleven points, four assists, three steals. This kid is a freshman. He is fun to watch. He can really, really create off the bounce. He's feisty in passing lanes. And this is one of the most improved teams in the country. I know they opted out early last year, uh, but even before that, you know, they, you know, you know, it was a it was a big build for for Kenny Blakeney. You know, they are so improved. You know, they won two non D1 games, but they beat Bradley in a bye game on the road. Right. They hung with Villanova for 30 minutes. They played a ten point. T- they they were they were winning like three minutes ago in high point on the road, and then lost by ten. They beat William and Mary, who is a another kind of regional team. Two two point losses to uh, Austin P and Mount St. Mary's, then beating American. So Howard is very feisty, and Elijah Hawkins, huge reason why. Yeah, I would say uh, that kind of going back to the comment you made earlier in college basketball, culture matters. It's not just about getting the best necessarily uh, all-conference or five-star recruits. They signed a five-star last year, and everybody was so hype about it. But obviously they opted out the rest of the year, COVID year, weird year, throw that out the window. But now they're playing high-level basketball, and it's not even that's not the case. They're not talking about a five-star. They're just talking about uh, guys like the young man you mentioned. So shout-out to the staff for doing their thing there. Um, Yeah, that's College Hoops Coast to Coast. Now we'll go kind of close the show with – Anything you're looking forward to for this upcoming week? You talked about Iowa, Iowa State. Anything you got for us? And then we'll be back next week. Uh, I'll say the big thing I'm looking forward to is a Saturday of college basketball that is not dominated by college football. Love college football. I'm a huge college football guy. I watch it. I gamble on it. I have a whole, whole, whole lovely time. I've covered a lot of it in Northwestern. But a Saturday afternoon with games on from noon till midnight and big high profile games on ESPN and not kind of being buried on ESPN news. Cause there's, you know, Florida playing South Carolina and college football. I mean, that's, that's a beautiful thing. So it's gonna be great for this game. I know I'm be on the road on Saturday off to uh, Champaign to see Arizona at Illinois. It's my first time going to a game at in Champaign. That arena gets rocking with all the fans. It's like right at the oh, end of finals week too. So the students might be a little bit rowdy. So I'm, uh, I'm very excited for my, uh, my Saturday in Champaign for a heck of a day. 
uh, around college basketball. So looking forward to that. And uh, as always, great, uh, great to be with you, B. Yeah, great to do it, man. I'll end this last question for Sweeney. What is it like not having finals and you get to just cover basketball? <laughs> you don't have finals. Like last year, we we're talking about finals. I got this, B. Like now you're just out there doing your thing. I was texting a friend about this the other day. Like they were like, "Oh, I'm super busy. If we can't chill this week, because I got I got my test." I was like, "Oh, I forgot that. I thought I forgot you had to do that. Man. I forgot <laughs> that was a thing. I'm a grown up now. I got put." I'll actually, I'll add one more on the on the school thing. I think basketball players probably feel this way too because I I've been working on this uh, this kind of look into the Coppin State program and everything that they've been going yeah. through this year on the road. And I talked to your boy Nenna Tark, uh, yeah, the other day, and we were joking about it because he said to me, he said. We've been on the road for so long. I got a text from a professor when we were back uh, on Monday, like last Monday. Like, can you come to class class? today? Can you come to class today at six? And he was like, he had like forgotten that, like, when his classes were. He's like, oh, yeah, I guess I have to go to that. Like, I'm here. So, (laughs) makes sense. They've been on the road more than anybody. It's been crazy. So, yeah, uh, we look forward to that article. You You got a great insight into HBCU world and how. There's a difference in the funding and how difference that makes things. Yeah. So we look forward to hearing that, uh, reading that article. Yes, but that's yeah, that's a good way to plug my my college state story. Yes, that I was talking to them to talk. But yes, uh, I'm sure the college basketball players would also love to not be thinking about finals, but they are, and I'm not. So it's a beautiful thing. It's coming. It's coming. Next week we'll be back. Sean Paul, thanks for coming on. You know where to find us: YouTube, Apple, Spotify. We'll be back next week. Sweeney, we out. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the All Access Network. Be sure to follow, share, and stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Subscribe and hit that notification bell on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to write your story, leave your mark, and create your legacy.